Today is Friday, November 25th. The title for our devotional is Enemies and Friends. Remember, uh, for the remainder of our campaign here and in these two conference weeks, we have been exploring some different spheres of life in which the way of Jesus diverges from the polarized views of our day. We are all prone to thinking of people as either enemies or friends. We've talked about this a few times throughout the campaign, but this topic is so important that I wanted to address it one more time, but primarily in spheres other than politics. Our friends are most often people who look, think, and act like us, while our enemies are those who look, think, and act differently than us. We give special treatment to our friends and hold disdain for our enemies. We bless our friends and curse our enemies. The way of Jesus, however, dissolves the concept of an enemy from the heart outward. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Jesus says in Matthew 5.44. If you love your enemies, can you really say that they are your enemies? Even those who have offended us and hurt us, we are called to forgive. Matthew 18.21-22 And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. The number seven represented completeness or wholeness. So 77 times uh, derivatives of seven implied like greater levels of completion or wholeness. So he's basically saying, forgive them as many times as they offend you or sin against you. In the way of Jesus then, our concept shouldn't be one of enemies and friends, but one of children and siblings. In a sense, all humans are children of God and that we are created by him. Of course, those who are in Christ are in the family of God in a deeper, more familial sense In speaking to the scholars, however, in Athens, those are unbelievers at the time, Paul makes this connection. I've included the verses below prior to it for context, but the main thing I want you to see is in verses 28 to 29. The story goes like this. Uh, This is Paul talking to the uh, philosophers in Athens. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring... We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. So we see here Paul building this bridge with the Athenian philosophers and scholars by pointing to the fact that we as humans are all indeed in some sense offspring of God. With this perspective of children and siblings, we will maintain a deeper abiding love even for the wayward. We will hold out more grace. We will trade contempt for compassion, disdain for favor, cursing for blessing.